Ladies and gentlemen, very welcome to the next session of the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Today I'm very excited because I have James with me. Hi, James. Hey, Gregorio, how are you? Good, thank you. I am really, really happy to, to have you here. Uh, we discussed in the pre-recording um, how we met and uh, I want really to say you helped me quite a lot with the preparation of the accredited customer experience specialist um, certification. It was a great support. Thank you very much. And today I'm really keen and happy to have a discussion, a smart discussion with you. But let's start, please, explaining who you are, what you are doing, James. Of course. So, so I'm James Perriman. Um, I run I actually run two businesses, but I think the, the important one is my business called Momentus, which is where I focus on uh, helping businesses and sometimes kind of leaders within businesses with customer experience. And it's you know, the reason my business is called Momentus is because it's all about that moment. And you know, when you think of customer experience, we've got to provide great customer experiences all the time. It has to be throughout our organization but you know what makes us get those top csat scores those top nps scores what what makes that 10 out of 10 experience it's those moments it's those things that customers don't expect that wows them and just even when things might be going wrong when we're in a global pandemic like we are and and times are difficult and it's hard for businesses to provide answers to customers and solutions and services to customers stepping back and thinking about what can I do that just makes my customers stay in love with me, fall in love with me. That's the key. And so we do that through coaching and mentoring, through some training um, and through consultancy, just doing short, sharp consultancy projects with businesses. Thank you, James, for the introduction. And perhaps in the, at this moment, I can really use what I learned um, in my Latin sessions, carpe diem, this is the momentum. It means yes. now we need to understand and, um, and I think this is really the key to understand how to cope with, with the customer and how to create these experiences. Um, as you said, you are touching quite a lot of different topics today. I would like to deep dive with you in the topic uh, customer experience assessment. And for example, perhaps let's start really with the easiest one with the basics. What is a customer experience assessment? It's a great question. It's a, I think it, there's, there's actually two ways of looking at it. You've, you've got a customer experience assessment, which I've alluded to just then in my introduction. So whether that's CSAT, so customer satisfaction, net promoter score, NPS, all those kind of measurement assessments, which um, if you put them in place in the right parts of a customer journey, then you, you get that view of the experience at those moments in time. And ultimately, you know if people are recommending you or not, and if you're satisfying your customers or dissatisfying them. I think the other side of it then is, is actually your, is assessing your maturity as a business whether you're a small business, medium, large, doesn't matter. If you know how mature you are when it comes to customer experience internally and externally, then that's a really valuable form of assessment. And you can use that to complement what you have from a, from a CSAT and NPS data perspective as well. It gives you that rich picture of what's going on inside your organization with your people, with your leaders, with how you get stuff done, how you launch new products and services, how you change things with the end result for customers. Uh, this is uh, really interesting and um, bring me to, to the idea or to thinking about 
Um, the six uh, core competencies of the CXPA, the Customer Experience Professional Associations, where you have different areas where you need to, to be an expert in order to get the certification. And if I understand well what, what you're saying is you could apply these areas also to, to a business to understand where you are in your maturity, maturity, maturity level. Which are the, the most important uh, topics um, that, that you touch base uh, while you are performing such a customer experience maturity assessment? So I think, yeah, and I think there's, I think it must be a thing about models in business, but there are, I, I kind of see there's six key areas and, and they are um, at a headline level, they're around the vision. So your customer experience vision, they're around leadership and that's about your leaders role modeling the right behaviors and really thinking about customers. You then got the customer themselves. You've got a bit around your culture, a bit around your design methodology. So how you go about designing your experiences and then the governance. So how do you stay on top of them? How do you keep on track with them? Um, so, I mean, kind of let me go into a bit more detail with that. So every business should have a strategy, have a set of goals of what it wants to achieve. And they're not always, and very rarely, mentioning customers they're often around revenue profit EBITDA they might be about employees around being the best place to work um, and looking at kind of almost an ENPS so kind of how your employees are feeling but a vision should also include the customer and you should have certainly within the area of your business that you that owns the customer so whether that is in marketing whether that's customer service whether that's a customer experience function kind of at a board level there should be a a vision that talks around kind of what are our objectives for customer experience uh, how well is that vision understood at all levels of the business whether that's people in head office functions whether that's people out in the stores delivering products or services to your customers um, do your people believe in the vision were they involved and so on it's you know that vision needs to be understood as there's a saying that I've seen very recently um, with uh, quite a big business that I'm working with, AO, who said, uh, and it was the MD, was the CEO, who said, if I'm getting bored of repeating the message, then it's understood. And that's at the point at which I really know. So, you know, if, if you're just getting to the point where you're just, you've talked enough about your vision, then people understand it, then it's there, it's done, and, you know, and they should be embracing it. Um, in order to to bring the vision to life and in order to i think to give it give it life then your leaders need to be on board with that the leaders need to engage their people their teams but they also need to talk about the customers at their board meetings at their leadership team meetings they need to think about the customer when they're making important decisions commercial decisions around the business and they need to spend time with the customers whether that's um, whether that's bringing customers into the business and having customer forums, whether that's going out into shops, into retail, if that's possible, and, and just watching customers, interacting with them, going into the customer service areas, call centers, you know, that, that can be done remotely. You know, we're, we've just tripped into 2021 where the, the, the COVID um, is still around. And, you know, certainly in UK and Germany, I know we're back into a full lockdown. So whilst that impacts our ability to go out and about and interact with customers it doesn't mean or it doesn't stop us doing it remotely we can we can very easily do that and so leaders need to be really thinking about the customer talking about the customer and making sure that you know they they bring it to life very regularly 
Um, I think the bit around the customer is about knowing who they are and whether you're a business and you're a big business that you can segment your customers like some do. And it's, it's kind of part of, I know what we talk around in the ACXS program, um, but knowing who they are, knowing who your typical customer is and making sure they've got a voice in your business. You know, a voice of the customer program is, is so rich in order to bring some of that insight in and to bring some of that challenge in. And I talked around leaders bringing customers into the organization. In, you should do that. I've, I've worked with a company who deliver some training to businesses and they will physically bring in a cardboard cutout of a customer into the meetings. So that when you're having a really difficult discussion, you've got a really difficult decision to make, then yes, you might have the marketing director there, the sales director, the HR director, IT and so on, but you've got someone who is representing the customer right then and you can look at them and say, what would they be saying right now? You know, if they had a voice, what would they think to the decision that we're about to make? What would the pros and cons be? And, and you bring it to life. And but also with a customer voice, you can get insight through, through customer forums, through NPS surveys, CSAT surveys, and so on. So you, know, you, you keep it alive, you, you bring that outside in. In terms of the culture, um, obviously by leading from the top, by bringing the customer in, you, you really have a, a good customer experience culture. And I think you've got to, you've got to make sure that you're, the people in your organization know and understand and really recognize that they've, they've got a voice. So it might be people who are customer facing and they get those insights, they hear them firsthand and they want to share them. It might be people who um, talk to friends and family about the business or they hear from friends and family about the business and, and they want to bring that insight in and they need to know that they can do that. They need to know that when they're coming in and saying, I think there's something better and different we can do towards our customer experience and to improve it, that it will be listened to, it will be reviewed, it will ultimately be acted upon and to make sure that the people you're recruiting into your business think about customers you can do that through your selection process through the interviewing through your job descriptions through job adverts there's so many ways in which you can test that people think customer and, and bring that in and then when you've got all that you know you've got to life you've got leaders that are leading by example you've got customer insight coming in you've got the customer in your business, customer in your room, you've got the culture where, where your employees really talk about customers and talk about what they learn and what they know, then you've got to have that right um, design process in place. So when you're thinking about changing products and services, changing your organization, maybe changing target markets that you go to, maybe you want to reach out to a different customer segment. As you go through, certainly as a big organization, thinking about what to do, what to change, what to, what to create, then you've got to have some maturity in your design process. You've got to have checkpoints as you go through to say, is this still what our customers would want? Are these customers we're trying to target still the right ones? What might have changed in the outside world that would change our thinking? What have our competitors done that might change what we're thinking? What have we done as a business that, that might impact it? Have we brought the insight in? Have we brought the customer's voice in? Have we done everything we can to make sure that this is really driven from a customer perspective than just a, a revenue point of view? And then keeping that alive really is that governance piece. It's saying, what are our KPIs that we have around customers? Where do we measure them? How do we track them? How do we talk about them? 
um, how do we make sure that we've got the right conversation at the right level? So at a, at a business board level, we want to be talking about customers and customers' KPIs. Where else in the business do we need to have that focus? It'd be great that we have it within kind of design forums and, and kind of design parts of the organization, but actually where else do we bring it in? How do we make sure that we make investment decisions with the customer in mind? How do we make sure that when we're, when we're kind of facing into um, environmental issues, market issues, things that impact us as a business, where do we bring that? Where do we bring that customer thinking in? So that for me is a, a very whistle-stop stop tour around those six areas of vision, leadership, customer, culture, design, and governance. And you can, you can easily assess kind of where you're at in that model of maturity, I think. It's, it's, I think it's great. We, we had, uh, in the last five minutes, we had a short customer experience masterclass. You touched all the relevant topics <laughs> that, then, uh, that need to, to be touched. And, uh, and I think this is a great explanation. Uh, perhaps uh, with your words or to make that a bit better understandable for, um, for, uh, our, for the people following this discussion, why mm. is so important to perform at some point in time um, a maturity assessment? I think it's important because you've certainly if you're if you're looking to grow as a business you've got to have a benchmark you know and if you if you if you really believe and you say that you want to you want to win more customers you want to retain more customers you want them to to spend more with you you want them to recommend you more to their friends and family then you've got to have a benchmark you've got to know where you're at and so part of that is around those those measures that CSAT that NPS that kind of thing but part of it is how you are as an organization. How do you know where you're at to, to be able to improve? If, if you don't have measures in place, KPIs, if you don't have leaders that bring people in, then you, know, you don't know where you're starting from and you also don't know where to make improvements. You, know, you might say, yeah, in our board meetings every week, we review revenue, operating costs, um, employee numbers and customer satisfaction that's great, you review it and you'll follow the trends and you'll see that customer satisfaction is going up and down. But if it, if it starts going up, do you know why it's going up? Where, where is the governance? Where are the design checks that say it's because we made that change? Or if it goes down, where do you know that it's going down? You, you'll, you'll be blind effectively. So by understanding your maturity as an organization, you've got that starting point and it gives you a lens, a very easy lens of where to make improvements so that you've got that framework in place, you've got that way of working in place so that you can start fine tuning all those different bits of your customer experience, those different bits of your customer journey, knowing that as an organization, you're, you're stable, you've got a great position and you can assess it again in six months time, a year's time to say, right, have we become even more mature? And that maturity, how does that match to our business growth, to our, to our revenue, to our, our brand recognition to um, our market share, all that kind of good stuff. You've, you've got a really good correlation. Um, I think this is, this is really important. And, and what you're saying is where you start at some point and then you want to get somewhere with these KPIs and you need to define the paths how to achieve that. And with this assessment, you can check where you are in your journey, 
in your growth strategy, not speaking only about revenues and so on, but for uh, surely also about customer experience, because at the end, customer experience, if it's done in the pro in a proper way, it's also growth strategy, and therefore you mm -hmm. can find a way to 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 get there. And um, you mentioned something, perhaps uh, to do it now and then in six months. When do you perform such uh, such um, such a maturity assessment? Perhaps also based on your last experience with your, with your customers. Well, we almost certainly do it at the beginning. You know, when when customers when our customers when our clients engage us to to help them address either you know a low customer experience scores or, or low customer sat scores or you know it's their first step into being really customer centric one of the first things we'll do is is take that assessment of you straight away and and you know what we'll do is we'll coach them around it if we've got an organization who we think and maybe we recognize from our research might be quite immature we'll do some coaching with them first before we run that assessment and before we share the assessment like you would with any type of survey or type of process or assessment that gives you a score you've got to know they're ready for it so if they think they're okay and actually their assessment comes in and they're not okay you know you've got to hold their hand with with taking them through that but also highlight where why those areas are low and equally why those areas are high so so we'll do it at the beginning um because then it also helps us demonstrate the difference we've made you know, if we if because part of what we've got to do is show that we've helped a business increase its performance in 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 this context as customer experience. So if we can't show a growth in maturity and you know marry that with a growth and an improvement in customer experience scores, then you know, I, I don't think we're demonstrating the difference we make. So I think it's important to do that and to do that early on. I think the second point in which we make an assessment really is dependent on the work we're doing. The level of maturity of the organization and the, and the type of organization you know if you've got if you've got a startup and you know who move quickly they act quickly they react quickly then you might want to do that assessment quite regularly to show the change so that they've got that real-time view almost whereas if you've got a big company you know which is almost like a bit of a machine you know just quite heavy to move then um then you know i think at least every six months as a as a minimum is right because it takes a long time for organizations to go through change to think about putting new governance in to think about new ways of working so you know if you do it any sooner you might see a small degree of change but it's it, it won't be enough to motivate people you know if they think if it's too soon and they think well we've only gone from a, a six to a seven in our governance score but i feel like we've done a lot more work that's not that's not very motivating it doesn't inspire people to carry on Whereas if you maybe did it a year apart and you could demonstrate a much bigger degree of change, then you know that's that's a nicer picture to see for organisations. Um, sure, and I think it's it's extremely relevant also to understand that that a self-assessment is quite different from a third-party assessment performed in a in a professional way, and there are quite quite a lot of number statistics that are saying that. Uh, most of the time in the self-assessment you are thinking that you're better than what you really are and also mm -hmm. compare, compared to the to the competitors and and therefore i think it's it's really important and uh, i would say today i learned also that we should run more often our uh, maturity assessment because you're speaking about an average of six months 
and um, I think quite a lot of company also on my side are thinking about Switzerland. If they are doing that, it's on a yearly basis and perhaps it's, it's, it's not enough. Thank you. Thank you very much for, for this information, James. Um, mm, we, we are uh, uh, progressing. And for me, it's also important in this podcast, in this uh, smart discussion, also to learn a bit more about, uh, about you. And therefore, my, my first question, uh, James, is you mentioned you are again in a, in a lockdown. How can you ensure to have a satisfactory life-work balance? I'm always saying life work balance because for me life it's a bit more important than the work. Yeah, it's a great question. And um and I think it's you know, this is for us in the UK, this is our I think it's our third proper lockdown. But we're so, I think it depends which area of the UK you're in, but but it has been a test. And I think it's difficult because you're right, you can't say kind of home. And work balance because home is work now you know I'm, I'm sitting in 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 my office at home so there's a very thin line between you know where I step from my office to the sitting room to watch tv or to go and make a cup of coffee so you know what I've put in place uh, and I'm someone that's worked from home for the best part of about 20 years um on and off whether that's five days a week one day a week anywhere in between for me, you've got to have some geographical boundaries within your house, if you can. So even if you don't have uh, you know, a, a, a room that you can convert to an office, at least have a room you can put a bit of a temporary desk in so that one room is where you work and that's separate to where you eat, where you drink, where you relax, um, you know, and where you where you live when you're not working. I work with I worked with a couple of businesses uh, over last year. Uh, startup businesses who um, you know were based in in London in our capital and had um, quite young people working for them who lived in the city and therefore lived you know they didn't have their own house they they rented a room in a house so for them the one room was their office it was their living space it was their kitchen it was everything you know where they where they dine where they eat so that that really impacted their mental health. That that was hard for them to to separate work from home because it just merged into one. And so that's where what's for me what's second most important thing is about structuring your time really carefully, structuring your day, and putting in place the the times at which you want to do stuff that isn't work. So for me, uh, and it might have lapsed a bit over Christmas New Year, but I've got it back back from this week but for me I like to do exercise and fitness first thing in the morning and I'm you know like six in the morning I, I will get up and before lockdown I'll go to the gym or I can go for a run or I can do something at home and so I'll do that exercise and then I can shower I can have some breakfast get ready and then I can start my work and it might be eight o'clock in the morning it might be half past eight but I can start my work in a different part of the house and I can work through until whatever time is appropriate for that day, whether it's five, whether it's six, might be four. I might say, I'm not gonna do anything this afternoon, but I've got that clear boundary. And after that, laptop shuts down, I'm out of that room and, and I'm doing whatever it is I want to do, spending time with the family, doing a hobby, going for a walk, whatever it might be. But having those, that you know, putting in place the time at which you're going to work and not work is important because otherwise you're, you know, you might just be finishing an email, but but your dinner's ready. So you go and have dinner, you take your laptop with you. And so you just put your laptop on your lap after your dinner and you've got the TV on and you're with your family, but you're not, you're not present with your family. Your, your head is in your laptop. 
not with them and and you've you've just let those lines blur so it's it's important to say this isn't my work time now this is my relaxing you know relaxing time this is my personal time so for me you know physical space time and as with anything even before lockdown is is about goal setting is saying what do what do I want to achieve this week that you know is part of my plan whether I'm in a business whether I run a business uh, you know, what do I want to get achieved this week? And making sure that those goals are realistic, making sure that they they help you develop, they help you grow, that you know you can achieve them, so that you you still have that sense of accomplishment when you when you finish them and know what you need to do each day. Because if you finish something early on the day and you think I've done everything I wanted to do today, I've done it a bit earlier, then great, kind of finish earlier, laptop down, away from the room, and and go and do something different. Um, and, but, you know, for me, that's standard practice, I think, in business and, and particularly when you run your own business to be to be really mindful of what you want to achieve and and getting that sense of enjoyment when you can tick it off the list that you've done it. Sure. And I think this is something that everybody should follow to uh, to understand that it's also important to have proper time, even if we are we are working uh, from uh, from from home. And mm. this, the next question I, I would like to ask you is, what, what's the last book you read or a book that you would suggest to the audience to, to read? Well, um, topical actually, and what I was just talking about, the, the book I'm reading at the moment is by a gentleman called John Doer, and it's called Measure What Matters, uh, which I think probably a lot of your viewers and listeners might have read, but it's, it's interesting because I'm, I'm doing a piece of work with a business who are changing how they measure performance. Uh, and they, they don't have a very mature way of looking at performance at the moment, but they want to adopt a similar approach that companies like Facebook and Google and Netflix um, have adopted, which is called OKRs, which is different from your standard objectives and KPIs. And, um, and so John Doerr's book is all around OKRs and where they came from, from his time at Intel and how he took them to Google and, you know, and obviously he's kind of very successfully implemented them or, or, or founded companies or been part of companies who have helped other businesses adopt them. So I'm kind of a third of the way through reading that book at the moment. And it's good because it's helping me, um, it's helping me just get some of that detail around OKRs and, and helping this business implement them. Um, I think prior to that, um, it probably would have been another, it would have either been another business book, because uh, I tend to like flicking between books that are around kind of business growth and, and having the right mental attitude towards business or it would have been an autobiography and I can't remember whose I read last because it probably was a while ago it's probably on holiday which wasn't last year sadly <laughs> um, but, it, but I, I kind of like those I like finding out about people and what makes them tick and what makes them who they are um, and, and ideally kind of relating that into business. And when I'm not reading those kind of books, I like a good detective book, something that, that has me gripped from page two. That's, a, that's, a, that, that's also a nice one. Back to the, to the stories about individuals. Uh, perhaps if somebody wants to contact you to get some, more, some insight on what, what, we, what we were discussing, what's the best way to contact you? So they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, James Perryman and, and hopefully be able to share some links if not there's a photo that looks very much like this um, and yeah connect with me there and you can find out obviously a bit more about me and, and my business and what I do 
um, or take a look at the website, which is Momentus, which is M-O-M-E-N-T-U-S dot U-K dot com. And there you'll, you'll see more around what we do in the world of customer experience, but also around team engagement and career and leadership development. And you'll get my email address and my phone number. So yeah, please, please go via LinkedIn or the website to, to get in touch. Thank you, James. And the very last question, it's um, please, um, could you share the last gold nugget with the audience? Is something that you dis we discussed or something new that we, you, would, you would leave to, to the audience? Oh, what a great question. Um, I think the, I'm going to, I'm going to relate it to that book that I'm reading, Measure What Matters by John Doerr. And um, I, my, my nugget would be whether, whether it's for you individually and it's a personal goal that you want to accomplish in 2021, or it's as a business and it's about where you want your business to be, or if you're within a business, what you want to accomplish within your role, don't just settle for having an objective, something that says, you know, I will deliver this by the end of December, or I will have lost two stone in, of weight in, in 12 months time. Think bigger, think about something that in the world of OKRs is called big, hairy, audacious goals or BHAGs. And it helps you think much, much bigger. And it might be a great example could be you say, I want to run in a marathon. I'm going to run a marathon um, and I'm going to do it in less than however many hours. And then you break that down because that's, you might say, well, actually, if I'm going to run in a marathon, I'm going to have to lose some weight. So that's that, I've just already elevated that losing weight objective into a much bigger goal. So I'm going to have to lose some weight. And actually, that means, you know, I'm have to, I'm going to join a running club and I'm going to have to learn about nutrition and diet. And I'm going to have to think about some of the bits around registering for a marathon. Where do I do it? Do I do it in New York? Do I do it in London? You know, where will it be? But have that great big goal that might just feel a little bit, um, a little bit scary, a little bit exciting. But if you aim for it, do you know what? You might get to the end of December and you might not have run a marathon, but that could be because you're going to do it in 2022. And it could be you actually achieved a, a personal best distance of 20 miles rather than 26 miles, but you went somewhere towards it, which is way better than just a small objective of losing some weight because it gives it some purpose, it gives it some intention and it gives it some excitement as well. Uh, as usual, I am not commenting the gold nuggets because it's your gold nuggets for, for the audience. I want only to say thank you very much, James, for, for your time. Yeah, Gregory, thanks for inviting me. Appreciate it. And also to the audience, thank you very much for being here, for um, following this, uh, this uh, smart discussion with James. I close with nine words. Please like it. Please share it. Please follow, follow it. And uh, so we can have other discussion in future about it. Thank you very much. Arrivederci. Grazie mille. Thank you.